Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Off the Dome Sports Podcast, your favorite sports podcast where two sports lovers sit and give their hot takes. Off, off the, the dome. dome. I am Redfish. I'm Rebel Hustle. And we will be steering this ship today without a lovely horse and Mustang that we do not have. However, I feel like we can hold down the fort. We've done it before. And we'll do it again. Make sure to follow us on Twitter or the artist formerly known as Twitter, X, uh, off the underscore dome pod to keep up with everything that's happening um, with not only us, but our partners at The No, at B in the No, K-N-E-A-U-X, the only way to spell it. Uh, make sure to keep up with everything The No. Make sure to keep up with everything OTD um, through that platform. Um, Twitter is where we do our best work. So make sure to keep up through that. Uh, tons of podcasts under The No Network that do a bunch of great stuff. So it's not only us. Make sure to keep up with everything popping over there. Um, Rebo, how's how we doing? You know. Just mad at coordinators, and but all in all, life's great. Mad at coordinators, indeed. Um, you know, we'll we'll start off with the team that played this week. That that did play this week. Um, <laughs> who should fire one of their coordinators? Oh yeah. Um, and, and you know that is the LSU Fighting Tigers. Shout out to the the boys. Got the LSU ring on right now. Um, but yeah, uh, ended up beating Georgia State by a significant amount, which everybody thought we would. But the first quarter was kind of ugly. It's unacceptable. I I rarely call for coordinators' heads. Mm-hmm. By the end of the first quarter, I was I texted every group message that I was in, and I said, we need to fire Matt House immediately. Because it's completely unacceptable for Georgia State. Sure, they score two touchdowns, whatever. Sure, you have freshman defensive backs. They bust coverage. Whatever, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But the way Georgia State was driving each of those possessions weren't busted coverage. They weren't big plays. It was four yards of cloud of dust football. With a rare fifteen yarder, I'm sure. But it was like if we're talking group of five versus power five schools, it is unacceptable for a group of five school to be driving the football consistently on a power five school. Yeah, like if you see Georgia State scores a touchdown in the first quarter, you're like, oh, there was a blown coverage. Yeah. They got one down the sideline. We line, weren't perfectly like, in scrambling when we had everybody. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you think it's one nasty trick play, like something something went wrong. Um, however, No. They were methodical. Their quarterback, Loki, was looking great on the first drive, um, making smart decisions. And then the fact that LSU fans had to be worried in the first quarter of a game against Georgia State. When it was 14-14, yeah. It, problem. You just thought there was going to be another Ole Miss game where the last person to have the ball wins. And it was Georgia State. Yeah. Problem. Problem. And the root of that problem, I personally believe, is Georgia State watched the film, saw what everyone at Murderage Mansion has <laughs> seen the entire season. Hello. And said, oh, LSU keeps running this blanket shell 15 <laughs> yards off the ball and said, hey, what if we throw it now? Wow. What if the wide receiver goes and catches the ball at the line of scrimmage? That's five yards. Every time. Every time. Every time. And so I don't understand how Mississippi State, who our defense looked amazing against. Yeah. I don't understand how they didn't see that. Nope. Or was it just not was it just passed up on the scouting report? Did we play better defense that game? Sure, maybe. But last year, the problem wasn't the defense. Sure, you had better players. Sure, Jay Ward was on the team. Phenomenal athlete. Yeah. One of my favorite guys on last year's team. Mm-hmm. But... You still, things don't just change because of personnel. You can't just be like, oh, we got freshmen. We got to play them off. We can never press. Yeah. Never, never in my life have I seen a Power 5 school not press. You, you seem very it's unacceptable. Ag- you seem very agitated. Really. I am. <laughs> I've been holding this in since Saturday night. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, listen, you watched more of the game than I did. I watched the whole thing. Which is more than I did. Um, However, I know well enough from everything we've talked about this entire season that DBs playing eight yards off the ball is not going to win you football games. It doesn't work. It, it, like, 
and we we talked a little bit about it before the pod, but you know, maybe in the Big Twelve it makes sense where everyone's gonna score fifty points a game, or the Pac twelve when everyone like every quarterback throws for three fifty. Like playing that soft shell to try to prevent the big plays, sure. In but you the can't SEC, do it every snap. <laughs> no, and especially not in the SEC where not only can they throw the ball, but they're going to run the ball down your throat too. Like it, it's, it, it doesn't like it. Just it's not working. Like it's simply not working. Yeah. And I think I think we have to be self aware enough to realize, hey, we had a season where playoffs were not necessarily an expectation, but certainly a possibility. Certainly a possibility. Something that you have the best offense in the the country. You you have a possibility of making the playoff. Yeah. Like the the playoffs weren't out of reach. Even after week one, when we lose to Florida state playoffs, still not out of reach. If we don't lose last second to Ole Miss and play a better second half against Bama, play a better second half against Bama. We're a one loss team that goes to the SEC championship, even two loss team. And you have, you're in the conversation. Yeah, like they have to talk maybe about it. Talk to talk about maybe the first two loss team ever making if we beat Bama. Yeah. So it's not like we're this crappy middle of the road team that we're just gonna we're just fire happy because we're not good. We are good, but we know we can be better. And sometimes you just have to recognize that. Um, and I think that that comes down to the Matt House effect. I mean, it just. Listen, I'm not. I'm also not one who's like, oh, let's immediately fire our coaches because you have to understand once you fire a coach, you have to find a new coach that fits your system, fits your culture, will get along with your players, and implement something that makes your system like makes your team better. So it's not like it's this easy fire coach, hire new when you're better type thing. Um, but it's hard to think you wouldn't get better once you get rid of Matt House. Yeah, I, like like I started this, I've, I've never been like, we need to fire him by halftime before in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I, I was taken back by the fact that an LSU defense, the thing that we've prided ourselves on for probably decades now, is the most unacceptable thing in college football. It's sad to see a school that goes from claiming DBU to the worst secondary to cover we've eight shell every play we've ever seen, like in my life, the worst secondary I've ever seen come out of LSU. I mean, it's acceptable if we're talking about personnel standpoint. Yeah, we got young guys. The transfer portal was not friendly to us, even right. though it looked that way in the off season. Yep. But and we started a new culture with Brian Kelly last year. But just to sit there and. Play soft shell the whole game, every play for, what are we on, week 11, week 17? Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Some of them weeks. Yeah, one of them. But, I mean, I just don't understand. And I'm sure, and we talked about before the that Brian Kelly was asked about the defense or asked about if personnel was going to get moved around, staff personnel was going to get moved around, and he said not now but in the future it's likely yeah which we all know who he's talking about it better not be anybody else i mean <laughs> mike denbrock is up for assistant coach of the year yeah or coordinator of the year whatever the award title is cortez hankton is the wide receiver coach and i mean we've got two when you yeah. one thousand plus yard receivers who are both louisiana products um i mean i don't Frank know about wilson is doing wonders with the running backs we have a five running yeah. back tandem and they're all good except for well John Emery tore his ACL but he was good before he did that you can put yeah so anybody on the offense and then our O-line's up for O-line of the year so offensively he's not talking about any of those guys we'll put it that way yeah um, for sure and it's probably not Brad Davis either so that leaves <laughs> that leaves like two people and it's our secondaries coach and our DC and I'm gonna be honest with you secondaries coach ain't calling the plays that's a fact. So, getting off our our uh, soapbox there, um, we'll get on another one shortly. Oh yeah, we will. We'll, <laughs> we'll keep on the defense and then we'll get to the offense. Um, we've been having questions about our boy Whit Weeks. Yeah, I'm glad and you went there. Yeah, we've been having questions about our boy Whit Weeks because we love Whit Weeks. We have this entire season. Rebo Hustle was the first to champion him, and then after week one, when I started paying attention to the week, weeks, I was like, oh, I'm 100% in with you. Like, we 
we're, we'll die together on this hill if we have to. And then the rest of the country started getting in as well because Whit Weeks was a fantastic player. Uh, so much to the point that he hasn't played in three weeks and his brother tweeted hashtag free 40. And when your brother, who's also on the team, is tweeting hashtag free my brother. I was terrified. There's questions. Now, Brian Kelly did come out and say, hey, he has you know an injury to his foot. He's had stitches in his foot. We don't want to risk him popping a stitch, being out for the year. Um, so expect him to play big minutes against A&M, which is a great relief. However, if he where is the transparency? That's why fair. Why did it take three weeks for this to come out? Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not like it's Harold Perkins. It's not like, well, why is Harold Perkins sidelined for three straight weeks? Like, if you wanted to play the basketball game of, well, I don't have to give you my whole injury report, and I mean, we respect what weeks, mm-hmm. but does Texas A and M care? I don't think he's a true freshman, isn't he? Yeah, like true freshman middle linebacker milk check. Like, I don't think they're really paying attention. Yeah, and. At that, he's not your on-the-depth-chart starter. Right. Which, I mean, I guess it's fair that you don't have to disclose that, but it's just it just doesn't make any sense. And from the tweets, you're sit, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, no, we're gonna he's going to transfer. Mm-hmm. And Worst-case scenario. We're also in a world where the transport, transfer portal is just like this free real estate, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to sit out a year. You don't have to do anything. There's no re- repercussions for transferring four times in four years. The only thing that they're doing is making the window shorter of how long you can enter it. Like it went from like you have a, like a 45 day period, and they put they they might have put it down to like 30 or something. And I don't know that for sure. But I but, mean, if you're in that situation where you're just benched and you're not told anything, I think you're in your name the first day. And especially when you're Whit Weeks, who has mm-hmm. all the talent in the world, and people of a University who's ranked in the top 15 right now yeah, are championing you and the fans love you and you're getting attention and then you sit the bench because you have Omar Spates who might be the worst football player I've ever seen in my entire life playing in front of you. I hate Omar Spates. Anyway. If you don't know much about him, he's LSU's Chase Claypool. He's the perfect build for a linebacker, perfect body, strong as an ox, but I don't think he has a brain. And apparently the only reason he plays is because he's a good communicator. Apparently not when we're giving up 35 points to Florida and 14 in the first half to Georgia State. And if you're watching the game, Greg Penn's making all the calls. Yeah, like I don't get it. Um, I don't get it. Whit Weeks is being underutilized. Hopefully he does play big minutes against A&M. Because I think if he does... It's the only thing that saves us. Everybody's going to see that he is a dog. If he if he doesn't, I'm even more terrified that he's transferring. Yeah. His brother just did it. His brother can tell him what to do. Like, how, what, how the landscape works. True. True. I mean, I, I really hope he doesn't. Because I think he's another one in the line of LSU linebackers who are yeah. just fantastic. I mean, we, we really have had some really good linebackers come out of LSU who had sustained success. And, you know, very high peaks in the NFL. Um, and I think Whit Weeks is another one who could reach that level if we can keep him. Um, but like you said, transfer portal is basically free agency at this point. So we'll see. Moving on from the defense, out of the negativity, positivity here. Offense is fantastic. Two Blitnikoff Award uh, finalists, two top eight receivers in the country. Um, you know, we've got the number four and number 10 rusher in the SEC, both on our team, and Jaden Daniels and Logan Diggs. Jaden Daniels, obviously the number one passer in the SEC, and as of this past weekend, the number one favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Um, I think my lowest moment of my entire 22 years of life is cashing out my Jaden Daniels Heisman bet after the Florida State game. Uh, I got him at plus 1800 before the season started, put $25 on it, cashed it out after the Florida State game because I knew I needed my money back, and I didn't want to waste $25. No, I'm an idiot. Um, because I would have made a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, I feel like after the Bama loss, the what Brian Kelly's goal for the year changed. Like, last week we saw Bo Nix score eight total touchdowns. And so, 
Brian Kelly was like, well, how do I make sure Jaden gets the Heisman? Because that's my only goal this year is continue chemistry on this team, continue making these freshman corners and all that building blocks. But my end goal is Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman. And so he kept him in till he scored eight touchdowns and said, "No, you're not. You're not going to break the record. Not against Georgia State. Yeah, yeah. And you're just going to match the touchdown total because that's the only thing Bo Nix can ever have on you is a touchdown total because he has nothing else. Seventy less passing yards, but nine hundred. Less rushing yards. Yeah, and that's on more attempts. Out of Bo, like Bo yeah. Nix has more attempts now. I will admit his completion percentage is higher. I'm sure he's at 78 percent completion, which is great. Jaden's I think at 72. But if Jaden so, faced a Pac-12 defense every week and was also facing a soft shell, it'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, it, and not only that, but if Jaden poured all of his energy from running into passing, he'd probably have 6,000 passing yards also already. True. Um, considering he's the best. Not only the best running quarterback in college football, he's one of the best runners in college football. He is quick, he is fast, he is tough, and he can make people miss. Great runner. Like um, a baby deer on ice. But, sure. Sure. I know you've seen them crazy legs. <laughs> he do he do have them crazy <laughs> legs. Um but no, Jaden Daniels is a very special player. I'm the fact that we may have two Heismans in four years. After not winning one for fifty, yeah. Um, I'm, hey, Brian Kelly can't recruit, right? Um, I, I'm 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 really I'm really happy uh, about what what the future holds for Jaden Daniels. Um, not only you know over this next game and then the bowl game and if he wins the Heisman, but he's more of an NFL prospect now, so we'll be able to see him on the next level. I think. Um, like we said, Malik Neighbors, BT Cruiser, two fantastic players uh, that we're really excited to see what they do. Malik Neighbors is basically top ten in every NFL draft board at this point because oh, yeah. of what he's done. Um, because you look at a guy who is a great route runner, catches tons of explosive plays and gets touchdowns out of LSU, and you immediately go to somebody who's viewed as the best wide receiver in the NFL right now in Justin Jefferson. Not that th- I'm not saying they're the same player, but I'm saying that it's easy to make that comparison. Um, so Malik Neighbors is going to get a ton of talk. So our offense is one that I think people are going to take for granted, and we're going to look back in two or three years and be like, man, remember when we had all of this going on? If only we had a defense, because um, that's how yeah. we feel right now too. But moving on, it's A&M hate week. Um, get on, get to take the, the Colt from, from a College Station, and they're coming to Baton Rouge for Jaden Daniels' last home game of his LSU career. Um, and just one last thing before we get onto that that you pointed out is like the idea that Brian Kelly is like pushing for Jaden Daniels to get to this award. Crazy to me, considering what we saw in the beginning of the season, where it looked like Brian Kelly almost wanted to bench him at one point because oh, yeah. like they had this big tension piece and like it felt like they just weren't getting along. Brian it, Brian Kelly always looked mad at Jaden, like he didn't know what he was talking about, like just furious. And now he's his biggest supporter. Uh, so to see that between your head coach and your quarterback means a lot, I think, for this fan base. Um, so, Texas A&M, what's going to happen this weekend? I have not watched a single snap of A&M football this year, and that's all I have to say. Well, they don't have a head coach. This is also true. I they forgot fired about Jimbo that. after they won big. I can't tell you what they did this past weekend. I don't know who they played. I don't know if they won. Um, Let's do some research. We can, we can look it up. This Again, this is off the dome. This is the definition of off the dome. We don't, we don't know. But... They're seven and four. Okay, not terrible. That's the most AM record I've ever heard in my life. Ole Miss only beat them by three. Uh, well, that's that's a Lane Kiffin issue. This past weekend, uh huh. They beat the Sox off of Abilene Christian. Well, as one would assume, Bama beat them by six. So they're playing some sound ball. Miami beat them by fifteen in week two. But as of recently, they've been playing some 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 good football. And Tennessee beat them by seven. Last. In the last month, Tennessee beat them by seven. They beat South Carolina by 13. Ole Miss beat them by three. They beat the breaks off of Mississippi State, because why not? Yeah. They beat the breaks off of Abilene Christian. Okay. So, 
they're in a similar position as LSU. Lost to a a good program and then beat everybody else. Yeah, Except if you want to you want to call Tennessee a good program. I was talking about Ole Miss. Uh Tennessee's you know, they're not as good this year as they were yeah. last year. Um but LSU has to win this, right? You would think I think it destroys everything if they lose. That's what I think too. I think I think every single thing over this season is worthless if we don't win this game. It sounds so stupid, but the the difference between a three-loss team with a Heisman winning quarterback versus a four-loss team with a roster that's leaving feels so different. Yeah, I mean if if we lose this game, it's I don't think it's going to be a shootout. There's no way that we lose another shootout. I don't think A&M has the offense for a shootout. I think the only way we lose this game is if somehow our our offense doesn't do that's what it's my been point. doing. And if that's the case, you're not walking away with a Heisman. Or a Belitnikov. Because a Romo Duze will come out of nowhere. Or Malik Harrison out of... Uh, Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman. Marvin Harrison as well. The kid from Missouri. Uh, Burton. Yeah. That's um, all I got. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this LSU offense, if they do what they've been doing recently, I don't see it as too much of a problem. I don't think it'll be as high scoring of a game because A&M has been able to keep it close with these other teams. Um, so, you know, I'll still take the Tigers to win. We've talked about them for 23 minutes so far, so I think we can move on after this. I'll go ahead and drop us our score prediction, and we'll finish up on LSU here. Um, I'll go LSU 30, bless you, LSU 35, Texas A&M 23. Well, I've got zero faith in the Madhouse defense. Okay. So I'll uh, one-up you with LSU score of uh, 38. Okay. To 33. Wow, close game. Yeah, because I'm I'm doubting no. that we can keep them out of field goal range ever. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm hoping we can just control the ball enough to be able to keep them. One can the only hope. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, moving on to a team that I am representing on my wonderful hoodie here, uh, the New Orleans Saints had a bye week this past weekend. So, unfortunately. Um, we didn't have to have more heart palpitations because Lord knows every time. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure we lost to the bye week as well or maybe tied. I don't remember, but coming off a of bye week, uh, we do still have some injuries. Marshawn is expected to be out for the next week or two. Michael Thomas, once again, uh, got in bed with his best friend. I reserve. Um, so they're, they're back in cahoots as one would expect. He was having an okay year. He wasn't terrible, but he was consistent. I mean, it felt like every game Michael Thomas had four catches for 50 yards. Yeah. Which, good enough for me, I guess. Um, Derek Carr still in concussion protocol, so that's something that we have to monitor. Um, May have to ride and die with Jabu. Um, And then Kendra Miller and Isaiah Foskey, our second and third round picks, also questionable. Um, so we've got young players who are hurt. We've got veterans and stars who are hurt, and then we've got our quarterback. So, what what do we what do we make out of this next game coming up? Well, it's definitely gonna be a tough defense to face. It's definitely kind of scary after seeing the passes that Jameis Winston loves to make when he comes off the bench. Oh boy! But every time that ball goes in the air, you're you're on the edge of your seat. Not every time. What? The pick last week, or week before, whatever, however long ago it was, the bye week, mm-hmm. week before the bye week, he threw one straight at the ceiling, but and it got picked. But hey, when it goes straight up, are you not, are you not, on the edge of your seat waiting to see what happens? I'm waiting to see it housed for a pick six because there's just no way. But he threw two touchdowns. But 
we've seen Jameis Winston the starter in the past. I think if you give him a clean slate, he knows he's starting. He's going to do some extra film work. We've seen it work in the past. We've we right. all fell in love with twenty twenty one, and then he got hurt. If he doesn't tear his ACL, it's his best season ever. He went five and two as a starter. It's his start best season. He was having a great season. I think he had like fourteen touchdowns to only three picks. Was five and two. I mean, Jameis was looking fantastic that first year. Then he gets his ACL torn in half by Devin White. I saw it happen in life. Yeah, and then hasn't hasn't gotten back to his glory yet. Um, Which, if that guy shows up on Sunday, I'm not worried about Atlanta's defense. No, if he shows up on Sunday, I'm I'm not worried at all. Yeah, because on the other side of the ball, you have Desmond Ritter starting. Is he still? Is he still starting? I know Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Oh, they benched him? They, they benched said Heineke after benching Ritter? They benched Ritter two weeks ago, started Heineke, and then said, you know what? We were wrong. Arthur Smith came out and was like, I shaved my mustache. I lost all of my faith in Taylor Heineke. Desmond Ritter, you're back up. So, yikes. I don't know what's going on in Atlanta. They don't use Bijan Robinson. Tyler Algier gets like 17 carries a game. Desmond Ritter and Ty- Taylor Heineke is the quarterback battle of the century. And their number one receiver is like, can't even tell you. Mac Hollins? Me either. <laughs> I, no, wanted, no. I wanted to say Dre Palmer, but that's the Bucks. Oh, it's, it's Drake London. Oh, um, yeah. Who actually been was pretty decent. He was hurt for a little bit, and I'm pretty sure Mac Hollins was getting all the snaps. And then they have a tight end controversy between Kyle Pitts and John U. Smith. So I'm not necessarily worried about what is Atlanta's offense going to do to our defense. Um, although our defense has had some down games the past few few times, I feel like this bye week is going to help them uh, recalibrate. Um, Paul I believe, Debo's. I believe Monday started with a players-only meeting. Did it? I believe so. Right, I believe I'm I in. read that. I'm in. Uh, Paul Debo has had an all-pro level season uh, starting outside opposite of Marshawn. Alante Taylor has had really good games and really bad games, so we'll see what we do there. Um, Tyran and Marcus May at the safety positions haven't been good or bad. Jordan um, Dowden's been pretty Jordan decent. Jordan has been really good. Yeah, for the for the draft capital, he's been really good. Yeah, Demario's still Demario. Pete Werner, when he's healthy, great player. Uh, and our D line has been very surprising for me. Granderson's um, been amazing. Grant Carl Granderson has been earning every single cent that he got paid this off season or early in the season. So I'm not worried about our defense. Um, I'm starting to think I'm not worried about this game. I'm I'm worried because it's a divisional game. It always scares me against Atlanta. I'd rather lose. I'd rather go two and four in the division and beat Atlanta both times than go four and win two the and lose in general. And then then go four and two and lose both to Atlanta. I would actually rather go two and four than four and two as long as Atlanta's are two. Okay. Um, that's that's kind of how I feel about that. But I do believe. That we can win this game calling off a of bye week. I do. I think the players only meeting, is, which was led by the defense, is what I'm what I've heard, because evidently they can't get right. Oh, I'd lead it if I was a defense too. I wouldn't want a single person on offense to start talking. Well, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, I'm saying because the beginning of the year they were amazing. Yep. And then they've slowly tapered off since the shutout. Yep. And. I think the players-only meeting was about the defense because you can't do much about the offense if your starting quarterback's not in the room. Also, um, last point before we finish up on the Saints. Um, if we're going to talk about coordinators, we got to talk about uh, Pete. Carmichael. Is he another guy that should lose his job midseason? He can lose his job on the second snap of the game. Why not the first? Because the first... It's a kickoff. That's not a snap, though. Okay. Because the first, it'll be, oh, well, Pete Carmichael and James has worked in the past. I don't want to hear that. And then we're going to run four verts the first play of the game. <laughs> James is going to throw one right into the hands of Jesse Bates. James is going to hit the goalpost <laughs> from the opposite <laughs> 20. And Dennis is just going to lean over and just... Go back to the locker room, sir. Dennis isn't that smart. Um, if he was that my smart, bad. 
Gale. Gale is going to march down from the box, walk straight through the crowd, jump the fence, <laughs> still have the skeleton Mardi Gras beads <laughs> on, and her and B.I. are going to escort Pete Carmichael back to the locker room. B.I. ain't going to be able to see that boy's eyes squinty as hell. <laughs> um... But yeah, that, I mean, that would be hilarious. Uh, no, I think, listen, if Matt Canada got fired, you know, if the Steelers can suck up their pride of never firing a coordinator during the season, in the history of the most storied franchise in the NFL, if that franchise can fire a coordinator midseason and Mike Tomlin can be like, hey, hand up, I did it, that's on me, whether you're happy or not, I'm the one, I'm responsible... If the Steelers can do that, what are we waiting for? Because it's freaking Pete Carmichael. As far as I know, the Steelers' problem isn't always the play calling. I mean, it's not They're mid-rebuild. And you know what the thing about the Steelers is? Is the Steelers have this play calling problem. They fire their coordinator. They're still 6-4 and and 3rd in their division. Yeah. The Saints are number 1 in their division. They're 5-5. Yeah. And play calling is the issue. I mean, it, listen, I. If Matt House and Pete Carmichael were the DC and OC of a team, that team would lose every single game 80 to 3. They go A and 80. Oh, and 82 in the NBA. Well, yeah, because they're not basketball coaches, they're football coaches, Reese. Well, hear me out. <laughs> All right, I'm listening. The NFL's going to change. They'll just extend to 82 games. All right, all right. We'll have now. a game. We'll have back-to-back NFL games. Imagine a doubleheader football game. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You think people are getting injured now. Just wait until they play a doubleheader on a Sunday. Um. No, yeah, I mean, Pete Mark, Pete Mark Eichel. Pete Mark Eichel. <laughs> uh, he's got to go, man. Uh, we'll see what happens this week. Hopefully, here's what I'm hoping happens. I'm hoping they play it smart with Derek Carr and they let him sit a week because not only is he in concussion protocol, but his shoulder looked to be messed up again anyway. So let him sit a week. Let him make sure he's healthy. Let him talk to Jameis in his ear. Jameis won't listen to a word he says. However, Jameis gets the ball to Chris Olave. Chris Olave had one target in the first half of that Vikings game. Jameis Winston comes in. He has seven catches and a touchdown. Jameis gets the ball to Chris Olave. Jameis throwing the ball deep downfield opens up the run for Alvin Kamara. So I'm hoping what happens is Derek Carr sits back a week, gets healthy, gets his rest. Jameis comes in, leads us to a win where Pete Carmichael's allowed to, you know, open up the playbook a little bit and he doesn't feel like he has to whatever he does cuz I don't I don't really know what he does at this point. I think he just sucks his thumb and hopes something works. But grand scheme, defense steps up. Jay Boo shows he's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. Wins us a game in Atlanta. And then we sail into the next week 6 and 5 top of the division. That is my dream scenario for this weekend. It's fair. I think yeah, you made a great point. Pete Carmichael's going to stare at the eight-page-long play sheet that uh, Sean Payton left him and just close his eyes and play any, 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 mo, and it'll, and, and some of them will hit, some of them won't, and that's how the season's gone so far. But I do believe that we come out with a win with my score prediction being 28-7. to 28-7? to With a pick six. With a, who's getting the pick six? I, you can't say that. Oh, okay. That's too much to predict. Oh, okay. My bad. You can just say a pick six. <laughs> My and bad. Nobody will call you out. Oh, okay. <laughs> but if you say a Paulson and Devo pick six and Tyron Matthew does it again, you're wrong. You're right. Way to think, Reap. Um, score prediction. Give me 24 to 16. 16. New Orleans wins. 24-16. All right. Back to the NBA. The Skeletons. The Skeletons have proved that their most valuable player is Herb Jones. Because we went 
I don't know if it was four or five games without him. We lost all four or five games of those. Yep. He comes back after a back-to-back, I believe it was. A doubleheader against the Dallas Mavericks where we got the crap beat out of us in the first game. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back, plays the best help defense I've seen in my entire life. And it also happens to be one of the playing games. And not playing games, in-season tournament games. Yep. And we win by 30. Yeah. I mean, it was a squash match both sides. I'm not going to argue you because I've got a Herb Jones jersey in the mail. Um, so I'm a, I'm a Herb guy. I think, and when Luka Doncic, who is top three offensive player in the league, uh, whether it be scoring, passing, rebounding, whatever it is, Luka's going to, I mean, Luka's the point guard version of Jokic at this point. Um, like when Luka Doncic is being like, yeah, he, he is somebody who you have to circle. Like, you know, going into the game that you have to pay attention to this guy when you're, when he's defending. That is a high level of respect that other players have in the league for Herb Jones. And then not only that, but having Herb Jones in the lineup just solidifies bench role versus starter role, in my opinion. Like, you don't have to have these guys who are normally coming off the bench trying to fill a role that just isn't them. And we didn't have that guy. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't have, you know, with, with Hawk having to start all those games or, you know, moving around Dyson and, you know, uh, I mean, we even, didn't we have a game where Jeremiah Robinson Earl started? No, he came off the bench against uh, Houston. But, okay, but like. But still. Still, like the fact that you didn't have that, that defender piece in the first in the first unit where you could get your scorer off the bench, the fact that the, the lineups were messed up like that, I think that was throwing us off. And now Herb Jones is back. He solidifies his role as the a top five defender in the NBA, off ball or on ball, in my opinion. He is he is that good. And we win three out of the next four games, including one loss that was by a singular point. Yeah. I mean, in like just if you look at the two game series against the Mavericks First game, Herb Jones, Herb Jones list. Kyrie scores thirty-one. Lucas scores thirty. Second game, two nights later, mm-hmm. Herb Jones is back. Dyson's still playing the on-ball defender. Lucas scores sixteen. Kyrie scores seventeen. We cut both their points in half almost. Yes, like that's how you win. It's a, a fourteen-point difference. That's how you win a game. The two best players on the other team scored 14 less points each. And we won by how much? We won by 21, and we lost by 12. You win by 21, you cut out 20, 28 points out of that lineup. Yeah. That makes sense. Wow. Who would have thought? Um, and But also, to second the defense, we've seen the rise of Dyson Daniels in yeah. the past couple weeks yeah. as... One of the best on-ball defenders in the league. He leads the league in deflections. There we go. Whereas that's a stat, which I personally love the fact that I mean I I hate that CJ's hurt. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm loving the fact that we've gone with Dyson as the substitute in the starting lineup compared to a Hawk or another scorer like that because now Herb Jones gets to lurk. Herb Jones is one of the best defenders in the league. We all know that. But if he doesn't have to guard the best guy on the other team, like the best guard on the other team, he has the right to step away from a big who's standing on the three-point line and come help. And that, that's that been that's been huge. Also, in the win against the Nuggets, Zion finally said, I had enough. Y'all don't, y'all don't have a big that can stop me. And put on a performance of a lifetime in the first half against the Nuggets put up 21 points in the first quarter I believe wow um and then he sat out the next night in the one point loss to the Timberwolves where we could have won it not to blame B.I. but he missed a if y'all missed the game he missed a free throw in clutch time Cat hit a tough shot against Dyson and then B.I. missed a tough shot it it's, it's basketball. It's how it happens. Yeah. Um, nothing against B.I. He's the best player on our team for a reason. He's the guy who needs the ball in those moments. Yeah. He But 
he's 26 or 27, however old he's he 26, is. 26, yeah. And it's a learning moment for him. It's, I mean, I'm sure he he didn't like losing the game for us, but it happens. And then, well, also in that moment, you have to realize is like if CJ and Zion are in the lineup. That's three guys they have to account for to take the last shot. When it's just B.I., yeah. they know B.I.'s taking that last shot. And he still got an open shot. I mean, it didn't go... It rimmed in and out, but he still got an open shot. And then last night, me and you watched the game. We kind of thought that we've had the Kings number last year, even when the Kings were good. And the Kings are still good this year. Boy, oh boy, and did we, we have it this year. Still have their number, especially I mean, in the Smoothie King Center. I mean, there was there was a point where we had we were watching three different things at one time. We always do. Uh, which, yeah, <laughs> obviously, I mean, it, it's a Monday night. You're going to watch basketball, you're going to watch football, and you're going to watch wrestling. Yeah. That's that's the big three the only on Monday three night. things to do on Monday night. Uh, so you're watching the Pels on your phone. I'm watching wrestling on my phone. We have football on the TV. And I looked away and started watching the football game or watched a match on wrestling, and then I looked back, and we went from up 12 to up 35. And I was like, yeah. what just happened? I think my stream lagged for like a second, and we went up ten, <laughs> like yeah, ten I mean, more. And the best part is, is we are without CJ, Trey, and Larry. And CJ and Trey were, or CJ and Larry were full participants in practice today. And Trey is at the point where he's doing pregame warmups, so yeah. he'll probably be back within the next two weeks. And Jose played his first game last. Jose night. played his first game. Crowd was loving it. He is back. He is Jose. He the almost most- had. A Grand Theft Alvarado moment. Yep. And in the Mike Brown it. saw it yep. and called a timeout. <laughs> yep. I mean, good for him, I guess. But, um, you know, we're getting to that point that we talked about two weeks ago where it's like, everybody sit back, wait. When the Pels get healthy, we'll like what we see. The Pels are getting healthy. The, we like what we see. The craziest thing is the Pels weren't healthy, and we found two guys that can't miss minutes now. And it that's true, because as much as I've hated on Dyson... He is necessary to this team. Yeah, he has to be in I the mean, rotation when everybody's healthy. He 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 simply does. Like I, he's your bench before, defender. Before the season started, I was on the box of Dyson's the guy left out when you play a ten man rotation because we have eleven guys who can play. You leave Dyson out. Now he's you can't leave him out because he is our best bench defender, and you have to have somebody who can play defense off the bench. Yeah, and there's that, and then there's like. I, th- I think that Willie's going to solve the Matt Ryan, Najee Marshall dynamic of, like, matchup base. Like, that, what do yeah. we need? Do we, we need some grit? Do we need a little bit of ball handling? Or do we just need a guy who can stay in the corner and hit the, hit the three? I think and, and, and I, that does matter. Like, if we're playing a high-powered offense, you throw Matt Ryan in there and you let him match, match the points. Or if we're playing a team who likes to grit and grind, like we're playing a Memphis team, or if we're playing like Memphis, or we're playing Detroit, Detroit, like a team who's who's going to try to bully you and slow slow the ball slow down, slow the yeah. ball down. You throw in Najee Marshall, um, and and you play the matchup that way, and you end up you know you end up seeing what happens for your team. Um, so I I think I think the Pels are on their way up for sure based off what we've seen recently. Uh, really excited to see where we keep going to, um, if we can cons- sustain this level of play and then just. Add in CJ, who can get you 18. Trey, who can get you 15. Larry, who's going to play some pretty good rim protection and throw in some rebounds and uh, a few points here and there. I mean, it, you lo- you're looking at a team who can finish as a top four seed. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. You you add 18 more points on top of what, what was the score last night? Th- 131. Yeah, I mean, we're scoring the most points in the league. Yeah. Um, now, of course, you know, some players' points are going to go down to open up opportunities yeah. for Trey and CJ. But, I mean, fully healthy, it's not beyond belief to think this team can average 125, 128 points. Um, yeah, right at 120 is wins you every game this year, I believe. Yeah, so so I, I, think, I think things are looking up for the Pels. We need to stop being so negative all the time. I know it's so easy to be negative when all, all we have is, like, this feeling of one more step, one more step, one more step. Um, you know, we're, we're almost there. And my last part about the Pels before I let, you know, you can say your last thing is I think, I think the one piece we were missing finally came to us in the off season and it was a player. It was James Borrego. 
as much as you have been he did not yeah like you have been the guy who's been like James Borrego's gonna fix this team and I was like yeah okay I love James Borrego he was a head coach at one point and he's a fun like I think he's a really good coach and he creates some fun offense and he's he's able to create movement and pace um I don't know if he's gonna fix a team but he took over as head coach for one night we won and then we've kind of kept that same offensive strategy going since he was able to implement his system like that. And we've been playing really well. So props to you. It's I mean, and thank you to James Borrego for helping out this offense find their rhythm. Willie's a great player manager and find, finds ways to – last year found ways to get by on offense but had a very solid defense and – that's what my takeaway at the end of the season was, was, hey, what are we going to do about the offense? And then uh, I was listening to Christian Clark's podcast, and he was like, hey, James Rago's in the conversation. And I was like, what an assistant head coach. Mm-hmm. Like, a guy that can implement an offense, get these players moving. I'm thoroughly excited to see Trey Murphy in the James Rago offense. Because it opens up threes, off ball screens, all this other things, and uh, but my biggest takeaway and looking forward is we're getting healthy in December. Also, December looks like the easiest schedule that we'll have all year. Yeah, we have a twelve game stretch where almost every single game is winnable. Um, we're going to get into the bets in a second, like we always do, but we'll go over this 12-game stretch first. So this the entire month of December, this is how it goes. Spurs, Bulls, Timberwolves, Wizards, Hornets, Spurs again, Grizzlies, Cavs, Rockets, Grizzlies again, Jazz, Lakers. Currently, the Timberwolves are the number one team in the West. Mm-hmm. They're, they have 10 wins. And then the closest amount of wins in that stretch in December is the Lakers at eight. Yeah. The Pelicans have seven, and they have not been healthy. Lakers have eight and been healthy. Grizzlies have been terrible. Spurs, not that great. Bulls, kind of just the Bulls. Just a middling team that isn't, you know, they're inconsistent. Wizards aren't great with Jordan Poole heading that lineup, and the Rockets and and Jazz are both kind of in the bottom tier of the West. So, I mean, you really have three challenges. Well, four challenges. You have the Lakers, you have the Grizzlies with, I think, Jaw back, and the Cavs and the Timberwolves. It's a 12-game stretch where you should win at least eight of them. Where you only have to worry about four games. You should win at least eight. And that's if you lose the four games that you're playing a team at the same level as you. Yeah. Um, So, you know, if we come out eight and four after December, that'll put us at, what, 15 and 11? Only one back-to-back in that stretch as well. Is that what would the record be if we win eight games of the next twelve? So eight and four over the next twelve. We've got two more games, and we got three more games in uh, November and before that twelve game stretch. Yeah, we got Jazz, Jazz, Sixers. What's our What's our record right now? Seven and seven. So I mean, if we no, we got five more games. I'm sorry, oh, we got okay. Kings, Clippers, Jazz, Jazz, Sixers. So let's say we win, you know, three of those games, makes us ten, and so it would be so eighteen and. 18 and 12, 18 and 13. Yeah, something like that. But like, and that a puts four us, seed in the West. That yeah. that puts us right in the four to six range in the West. So, yeah. this Pels team, man, there's a lot of negativity at all times because we, you know, oh the plus minus with Zion and Brandon Ingram on the court at the same time is not what you want out of your two. Also, not a don't, basketball city. You don't, don't know let me hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear the plus minus with Zion and Brandon Ingram on the court versus one of them on the court versus one of them off the court. Shut up. If we're winning games, we're winning games. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Off that soapbox, into the bets. Uh, starting off with Mustang, he went 2-4 and four this past weekend. Did you see your record for this past weekend, Rebo? I'm pretty sure I missed them all. Okay, cool. Um, so Actually, I w- no, I didn't. I didn't bet this weekend because uh, I, oh, I was off. You didn't because it was just Mustang and I on the last thing. Um, I went 3-4. for four. Dinner. Shout out birthday dinner. Um. I went three for four, so I am still the champion. We forgot to bring the belt. Uh, you didn't but, go four for four, so it doesn't count. But it doesn't count. Um, so we'll go into bets this weekend. We'll cover Mustangs first since he is currently not here. He did send it in the chat, like he said he would. Um, so he he went with um he went with four NFL bets. 
um, as did I. So we'll see mine. But his uh, Miami Dolphins versus the New York Jets. He went the Miami money line. Of course, that he did. Feels pretty good. Uh, and then the over unders at forty one. What do you think he took? The over. He took the over. I don't love that. Yeah. I don't think the Jets can score more than ten points. And I don't think um, Miami can and score. And Miami's not going to score 30-plus on that Jets defense. I'm going to take the under on that game. However, if he listened to his dad, may have helped him out. Uh, and then he went with one that I also went with in my bet, and that's uh, the Detroit Lions minus 7.5 versus Green Bay on Thanksgiving morning. And then uh, Steelers minus 1.5 at the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday, uh, who lost Joe Burrow for the season, RIP King. Um, so... He went Dolphins money line over 41 in that matchup. Line 7.5, Steelers 1.5, and, uh, and that's at plus 683. Would you like to cover yours before I go into mine? Yeah. Uh, I've got two college, two NFL. All right, here we go. Uh, I stuck to Sunday for NFL. I'm taking the Ravens minus 3.5 against the Chargers. Love that. Love that. Yeah, 3.5 is solo. Um, and then... Just to make Bryce happy, I have the Houston Texans plus one and a half against Jacksonville in Houston. Um, Jacksonville's been pretty shaky lately, if y'all haven't been paying attention. Except for the last game. They yeah, did we annihilate the, the Titans, right. but... But it's the Titans. Matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. don't have offense or defense. Um, <laughs> True. And then we got into rivalry week for college football. So... Taking Oregon minus 13 and a half against Oregon State. I think Oregon State's the biggest fraudulent team in college wow. football. The, is there not one that's bigger? Oh, there's one that's bigger. But Oregon State is, uh, I believe, ranked 13 or something like that. Yeah. Which is pretty fraudulent. Yeah. Um, And I have Tulane minus three and a half against Shout UTSA. Tulane. Let's go, Tulane. Great season again out of the boys. Um, they have a chance to host Conference USA Championship or American, whatever... CUSA. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the second year in a row, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, Willie Fritz is getting it done, and uh, Michael Pratt's up for the same award that JD5 is up for. So, um, good for them. Uh, my bet, uh, I, like I said, I stuck with the Lions, minus 7.5. Uh, took the over in that matchup, Packers versus Lions. Over-unders at 46.5. I think the Lions score a lot of points. Uh, last week, the Chargers faced the Packers, and I think that matchup ended up about 43 um, and I think the Lions are better than the Chargers. So that's why I'll take the over on that, if that math adds up. Um, so Lions minus 7.5, over 46.5. And, and then I stuck on Thanksgiving. Uh, so I went two Thursday games. Uh, 49ers minus 6.5 going into Seattle. Uh, 49ers are rolling. They look very good right now. Seattle does not look very good right now. Geno Smith might not even play because he's hurt. Uh, Kenneth Walker not playing because he's hurt. So they have no offense. Uh, Drew Locke stinks, so I'll, I'll trust the 49ers defense to stop a bad offense and then score a bunch of points. Um, so I'll take six uh, Sixers, Niners minus Sixers. six and a half, uh, but I'll take the under in that matchup at 43 and a half because I don't think the Seahawks oh, yeah. can hold up their end of the matchup. I think that's a great, um, that's so great. Lions seven and a half over 46, Niners six and a half under 43. Uh, that parlay comes out to plus 977. What did your parlay come out to? Uh, plus twelve twenty eight. So you've got the highest odds. So we'll see who yours wins were, that one. Yours were solid. I, I was terrified. That. I was terrified of Thursday. I mean, on Thanksgiving is normally blowout city, but I was terrified to touch it because I didn't want to be on the wrong side of the blowout city. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but uh, and so instead I went with college football. But I, yeah, everything you said is correct. Thank like, you. Wow. Like the Niners. Yeah, clip, clip it. it. <laughs> clip T-Rex, it. clip it. The uh, the Niners definitely in an under game. Definitely gonna win by more than six and a half. And who says the who, only who stops the Lions? The they only, made a crazy comeback to beat the Bears. They were down uh, thirteen points with four and a half minutes. Yeah. And Jared Goff went from throwing three picks and looking like the worst quarterback in the league. I think he had two fantasy points for us, and then he ended with twenty one. Yeah, I mean, he came out and he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I know how to play football. Yeah. <laughs> and then did it. Um, one more bet before we move into our special topic for the pod that we want to talk about. Um, I went ahead and I placed a Super Bowl winner um, based on what I saw this weekend. It's a team who I talked about a lot in the preseason um, that I'm finally confident enough to say I think they're actually going to win the Super Bowl. Um, 
I took them as one of my division winners, and that parlay is not going to work out because of some other stuff. But I went ahead. I had a $50 bonus bet to because of joining the new ESPN bet app. Uh, I went ahead. I placed it on the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl. Um, I, they're dominant. They, I mean, it, it, they're dominant. They're playing a good team. Which you play good teams in the playoffs, they show up. If they, they play a bad team, they don't. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, is their losses, their the early losses, they're not the same team anymore. They lost to the Browns recently, um, but that was on a. I mean, that was just a weird game. Yeah. In general, uh, and the Browns are showing that they're a good team. So. Um, even without their quarterback, so so they're playing a good team. Um, I I think the Ravens, other than some teams in the NFC that I think can make a run at it, and you know the Chiefs obviously in the AFC. Um, I, I think they're one of their best five teams in football, and they're a team that I trust can make the big plays when it matters. So I went ahead and I placed a bet on them to win Super Bowl. I just thought I'd throw that out there in case anybody was wondering. Um, but our, our special topic for the pod, we're gonna close out here. Um, instead of going into what we normally go into, I wanted to talk about the college football playoffs. Because oh, yeah. we're getting close to college football, you know, winding down. We'll get into conference championships uh, next weekend. Um, and then they released the new the new rankings right before the show started. Um, and, and the top four was Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Washington. Florida State dropped out um, because Washington beat a ranked team. Um, so those are the top four as of right now. But, uh, you know, outside of those top four, obviously Florida State, Oregon, Texas, Bama, rounding out the six through eight, uh, five through eight. So my question to you is, what do you think plays out over the next two weeks, and who are your four to make the college football playoffs? So you get one of the winner of this week's rivalry week game, uh, the big game. The game. Yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah. Ohio State, Michigan. Yep. So that's a solidified spot. Mm-hmm. It's one of those two. Um, I don't. I. You think otherwise, but I. I disagree, and I think Washington's got it on lock. I think that that they really can't lose to Oregon in the conference championship, but uh, it's possibility. So one of those two. I'm. I'm predicting Washington. I don't have an opinion about a Big Ten team personally. Pac-12? No, Big Ten. Big Ten? For the other side. Oh, Michigan. Like, I didn't make a prediction. I just said the big... Yeah. yeah. I see what you mean. The winner of the game. That's on me. You're good. You're good. So, the winner of the game, Washington. It can get real, real interesting if Bama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. Um, That would get very interesting. It would be... It might be the wildest college football playoff of all time if that happens because then you have to make a decision between an SEC champion a one loss Georgia team and then the loser of the game yeah um and a one loss Texas team if they went out and beat Bama this year and so that's more of a discussion of who gets that last spot um, or the last two spots. I don't, I personally can't tell you because I don't see the future and don't really have an opinion on anything not LSU. Um, so you're the one with a lot of opinions, sir. So turning the mic over to you. I do have a lot of opinions. Um, that is true. That is something that, that happens to me quite a bit. Um, so, I think... Did, did you give an official four? No. And you're not going to? No. Because you think there's too much involved. Winner of the big game. Uh-huh. Washington. Okay. And if Georgia beats Bama... I mean, if Bama beats Georgia, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. But if Bama doesn't, Georgia... And then it's still complicated. Do you take the, that four spot is weird? Do you take the Big Twelve champion? There, there's legit, or that's the thing about the top eight teams this year. All eight can make the playoffs, and you can make an argument for every single one of them. They all have Whether one loss. Win or lose. <laughs> They're all undefeated or one loss. Yeah. Um. So here's my thing. I think, like you said, winner of Ohio State, Michigan, this weekend 
they're obviously going to win the Big Ten championship too. Yeah, they're, they're not, not losing lose. to Iowa. They're going to lose to Iowa or who's having a bad year. Which Iowa's not even a guarantee to make it at this point. It could be Iowa. It could be Nebraska. It could be Wisconsin. Huh. Any of those teams suck. So if you want drama, I'm, cheer for the Hurricanes on Saturday. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm taking Cyclones, whatever they're called. The Iowa, State. Iowa State Cyclones. Cyclones. Um, yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking whoever wins the big game. That's probably my one seed. Yeah, like it's the only lock. Um, whoever wins the big game is a lock. That, that's that's my one seed. Um, now now I'll go to I'll go down multiple rabbit holes here because this is something I really wanted to talk about. I couldn't be certain because Georgia has looked beatable this year. Last yeah. year they did not. And but the thing is, is they've picked it up at the right time. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, Pac-12 championship. I think while you're on Washington, I think if it's you know Washington versus Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. If Oregon wins that game, their one loss is to Washington. If Washington wins that game, their one loss is to or, or their if Washington loses that game, their one loss is to Oregon. So you take I think the winner of that matchup makes it in. Yeah. That's that's, that's fair. Whoever wins out of Oregon and Washington the Pac-12, the Pac-12 champion. championship. Yeah. Pac-12 champion makes it in the last year of the Pac-12. They make the college football playoff. Yeah. Um so I'll take the winner of the big game, the winner the of the winner of the Pac-12. Yeah. The winner of the SEC. I don't think it matters if it's Bama or Georgia. They're going to make it in. You don't put a one-loss Bama team out of the playoff if they make the SEC, if they win the SEC championship. And, I mean, if Georgia's undefeated, obviously they're going in. Yeah. Um, now the conversation is, is where do you put that fourth team? There's multiple different paths. You can go Texas if they win out because they're only lost to Oklahoma and they will have beaten Bama. So that's a great look on their schedule. If Bama makes the playoffs and you leave out Texas, who has the same record as them, you can't do that. Um, Georgia, one lost team who was undefeated all season, just lost in the SEC championship. You have uh, the loser of the Pac-12. Now, if it's Oregon, you can definitely leave them out. If it's Washington, another conversation you have to have that's similar to Georgia. And then Florida State. What if they go completely undefeated? Can you leave them out? Can you leave out an ACC championship? ACC champion who went undefeated the entire season. With Jordan Travis going out, I think you can. I, I, I don't know if the, the committee can necessarily say, hey, your quarterback's out, we're not letting you in the playoffs. But also, I think it, it has to be like a self-awareness type thing where it's like, hey, I know you went undefeated. However, these other teams have had a har- harder schedule. They've done better. Um, they haven't had close games against Boston College and Clemson and uh, teams like that. So, in my opinion, my four in the scenario that I think is going to play out I'm going to go Michigan as my one seed. I'm going to go Oregon as my two seed. I'm going to go Bama as my three seed. And I'm going to go Texas as my four seed. So if that happened, yep, this will be the first time in CFP history mm-hmm. that a Big 12 team and a Pac-12 team... Both were in it. Both were in it. Yeah. Um... And there, there also is that outside chance that we're looking at the, you know, the first time we went to a four-team playoff, and the last time we're going to be in a four-team playoff could be the same four teams with Ohio State, Oregon, Bama, and Florida State. Um, it, it's it's a possibility. So I've I've been seeing that float around social media a lot. I just think it's a really interesting talk because you really don't know what's going to happen. But um, it'll be, it'll be one of the first times that we've seen in a while that it's like true like like last year it wasn't all champions so it felt weird mm-hmm. this so, time i think it's going to be all champions i like all champ like that's what i think the four team playoff was made for is all champions i, I think i i think it should be i think the one team that may ruin the idea of four champions George is 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 texas actually because they might not put in the Big 12 champion. They might just straight up ignore Texas. Because, you know, they're going to put the Pac-12 champion in. They're going to put the SEC champion in. And they'll probably put in, you know, if if they remain undefeated, they might put in Florida State. So do they put in the one-loss Ohio State or Michigan, depending on who wins that game? Do they put in the one-loss Georgia team? I forgot like, Florida State was undefeated. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's so hard to predict. Um, I think it's I think it's really, really fun. And I think this might be one of the most important conference championship weekends we've seen in a really long time. Um, because it's not only people playing upset to get their rivals out of the game, it's to get into the into the dance. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about this college football playoff, and I think no matter what four teams make it, there's a lot of parity where you don't know who's winning the national championship this year. Last year, everybody knew Georgia was winning the Natty. As much yeah. as TCU was a fun Cinderella story and Michigan was a powerhouse and this I mean, might finally be the year that Ohio State figures it out and whatever else. Um, everybody knew Georgia was going to win the game in the, in, yeah. in the end. And, and this year, you, can, you can't prove that to me. Um, I think Michigan and Ohio State, whoever wins that game is, is going to be great. Um, Bama's figured it out recently. Uh, Florida State's still undefeated. Oregon and Washington have two of the most exciting offenses, while not the best offense because that belongs right here in Baton Rouge. Um, it's it's a fun time. It's a fun time to be a college football fan, so I'm excited to see where it goes, and we'll obviously keep everybody updated. Let's get it. All right. Word. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much for watching. Uh, it was a little bit of a longer episode today. Didn't expect that, but, hey, we went on our soapbox during LSU uh, we talked about our Pels, and we got some cool college football playoff talk in there, too. Uh, so, happy to see what went there. Um, we'll check on our bets, obviously. I think I'm going to win. Um, I think I had a, one of my best bets of all time. It's very good. Uh, parlays this weekend. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, off the underscore dome pod. Make sure to follow at BNTheNo, K-N-E-A-U-X, the only way to spell it. Follow everybody over there. Follow off the underscore dome pod on Twitter. Make sure to get us on Facebook as well. You can always go back and watch these on YouTube or you can listen in on Spotify. Just look up off the Dome Sports Podcast. It's the same logo you see on every uh, one of our platforms. You'll recognize it. Make we, sure to like, subscribe, And we comment. are going to start posting our videos to YouTube, not just the live stream. Not just the live stream. So it's easier to find. Uh, should help us out in the algorithm. And also will be uh, uh, a little bit uh, a little bit easier access. So, yeah. and you know, we may end up, you know, getting into the shorts game and posting different videos, shorter videos here and there. Just depends on the time. Depends on the time. We do have plans for making separate little videos. We do have plans, um, but those will be starting after uh, the craziness that is the football season. Yeah, closer, so, closer to what's that? Da 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 yeah. da da. That time. You know what it is. Um, but we're we're excited about you know the stuff we're doing over here. We're having fun. Next week will be a Monday episode, so yes. uh, make sure to tune in Monday at six p.m. Next Monday, prior to Monday Night Football. Prior to Monday Night Football, uh, that will be our ninety-first episode. So we're sneaking in on a hundred, getting very close to a hundred episodes. Maybe we'll do something fun for the hundredth episode. Uh, see who we can get in. See what we can do because um, we are getting close to a hundred episodes of OTD. So we'll do something fun for that. But. Um, yeah, that's what we're looking like in the future. This is what we look like in the present. And uh, hopefully we'll see you down the line. I am Redfish. And I'm Rebo Hustle. And we will see you next time.